Hello, welcome to Secure Talk, your trusted source of information on the latest threats, trends, tools, and technology related to cybersecurity and compliance. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Secure Talk. My name is Mark Schreiner, and I'll be your host for this episode of Secure Talk. Today, we're going to be talking with Brad Hawkins, who's the CEO of SaferNet, and we're going to be talking about some of the um, the trends in cybersecurity. We're going to also talk about VPNs, and then we're going to talk a little bit about SaferNet's um, kind of unique solution and uh, how it can be used to you know, protect us from some of the threats on the current threat landscape. But first off, I want to say hi to Brad. Brad, how are you? I'm doing very well, Mark. Thanks so much for having me on your show. Uh, my pleasure. Whereabouts are you located today? Um, Arvada, Colorado, which is a suburb of Denver. Oh, nice, nice. Um, yeah, so have you, has the weather changed? Are you starting to get snow in, I'm sure in the Rockies there, but uh, is it is it coming down to your area yet? You know, I've lived all my life here, and this is the most beautiful, calm um, start of the winter that I've ever seen in my life. Now, I do look at my temperature right now. It's about 35, but uh, we had a few flakes of snow over the weekend, but that's it. Well, that's good. I, I personally, if it's cold, I can deal with it as long as the sun is out and there's a nice blue sky to look at. So, um, so that sounds sounds really good. In fact, I'm going to actually be up in the Fort Collins area in a, in a couple of weeks. So, hopefully, that weather will um, stay <laughs> stay the course. <laughs> well, you will but, love when you make it here, I'm sure. So, did you um did you start uh, SaferNet in in Arvada there? Um, yeah, we're, we're in, uh, actually the, the office has been in old town, Arvada, um, beautiful little place, kind of, a uh, a great place to gather wonderful restaurants. Uh, you know, COVID made it even cooler where everybody sits out on the streets and do does fun things. But yeah, um, SaferNet's been here in Arvada area for, uh, since its inception. Excellent. Well, we're going to come back to uh, SaferNet in in a bit here, but um, you know, I, I I want to just ask some kind of general cybersecurity questions and and get your opinion. Um, what do you think is the most common vector for for companies and individu individuals to get hacked these days? Um, <clears throat> excuse me. You know, the the majority of what's happening is just some. Uh, you know, the, the hackers are coming in there with some silly emails that have, uh, you know, some viruses within them. Um, they're not overly advanced. They're just, you know, people making foolish mistakes, clicking on them uh, or accessing um, private Wi-Fi's where, or, or open Wi-Fi's where you're not running a, a proper VPN to be protected. It's just little tiny errors that uh, most employees are doing that to, that cause their businesses uh, or even personal issues quite quite the issue if they cannot simply follow those simple little guidelines. And that's what I find when you really talk to a company and they backtrack how they got hacked, um, it's usually a simple error, a simple mistake. Well, describe one of these emails because I think we all see a variety of emails. Um, describe the ones that you, you see most commonly. You know, um, interestingly, I, I have Verizon cell phone and I, I got a, <clears throat> excuse me, I got an email from Verizon saying, you know, hey, you can pay your bill online. And, and I looked at that and I thought, I don't remember ever paying Verizon online. Everything happens automatically. And I look at the URL and the URL didn't match Verizon. And, and, and I thought, huh, that's interesting. Um, so I knew it was bad. 
Um, and but I do this all the time, just testing our systems. And and I went ahead and clicked on it, and sure enough, we got a a big uh, stop uh, from our system. But it could have been a very easy uh, thing to be able to just click on that and say, I want to see what my balance is or whatever the case is. There's so many of those uh, that are are just amazingly designed. I mean, the same people that would design it for a uh, for a, a real uh, real example with Verizon would be using those same skills to be able to go out there and, and create something for a hacker. But if I would have clicked on that unprotected, the odds of me getting a ransomware or something running through my system is pretty strong. So you're you're definitely advising people not to do what you did and click on it. I mean, you've got all the 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 platform tools, et cetera, to protect. Probably got a sandbox environment, something like that. But you know, if you if you if you're an end user out there, you're not a security professional, you wouldn't want to click on it. So let's let's actually drill down on that in a second here or next. Um, I'm not a security professional, and I received this email. What should I do? And step two, I am a security professional. Um, what would be the next step? So why don't we talk about those two scenarios? You know, if you're not a security pro professional and you're looking at it and it seems odd, it doesn't matter if um, uh, if you 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 have business with that with that company, you're working with that company. Um, I would go on to a separate connection that I had with that company and verify that they're actually doing what they're doing. Um, but yeah, I would never click on something that even looked remotely suspicious. And where a lot of people end up getting themselves into trouble is that they're they're just going through their emails really quickly and they're they're glancing at them. Um, you know what what I like to do is go through the ones that I'm expecting first, deal with everything I need to expect and then go through the ones that I don't I was not expecting and take a closer look at them. URLs is a, is a great exposure to what is true and what's not true. So if you just look at those URLs and they don't look like they are going to take you to the correct place, uh, don't click on it. And there's nothing that's going to happen to you if you if you miss a Verizon bill, um, reach out to Verizon and pay for it online or do whatever you need to do. Uh, but the key is is paying close attention to it. If you're working in a work environment, contact your your IT professionals there and and just let them verify it. Um, make sure that there's something there that is making some sense. You know, there's a uh, for small businesses. There's a company called Ninjio. I don't know if you've ever heard of them. Uh, really like them. Uh, they have created um, professional, high quality videos that uh, and we actually uh, uh, give them away to our subscribers uh, because they're that good. But we they've created these high quality videos that goes out to all of their work staff that uh, creates a fun environment teaching people what they should and should not do in different work environments uh, in regards to cybersecurity concerns. Um, it, it is just a, a great I don't I don't get anything out of this. I'm just promoting them because they're a high quality cybersecurity solution uh, with just simple training videos. I 100% agree with you. I think awareness of of the potential threats is probably the the most important line of defense for all of us, and uh, and that, and that starts with education. A lot of people think, oh well, somebody else in the company is going to take care of cybersecurity, and or they might think, well, as an individual 
why would anybody go after me? I'm just this person, right? And guess what? <laughs> There's a lot of people that get attacked out there every single day. And um, being being aware of what potential threats look like, and then also, as you mentioned, what the appropriate follow-ups would be is super, super important. And uh, I glad, I'm glad you mentioned Ninjio. I will put a link to them in the um, in the show notes. Um, now let's go back. Okay, so in the case of you, you are in an organization and you're the IT professional, somebody flags a suspicious email to you. Um, what's your next step? What do you do? Really, what, what needs to take place is a notice. <clears throat> First off, you need to be able to verify that it's bad or good, but most professionals can take a quick look at it and figure out what whether it's good or bad just by looking at the URL, looking at prior relationships, looking uh, at the details behind the email, you can take a look at the details behind the email. Um, but really, the, to notice, notify everybody that hey, you know, we just stopped this. Be close, be aware of what's happening. Uh, it kind of goes back to that education level again. Um, you know, most companies feel like they have everything well in place, but there's new issues that come up all the time. And just by notifying everybody what's going on, it just kind of brings it to the level of paying attention. Um, and truthfully, most, like I said before, most of the things that we run into is just simply going too fast and not paying attention. Um, but bringing, bringing that attention to everybody is really, really important. Okay, and again, in the role of the um, security professional, if you notice that, hey, you know, several employees are getting similar type emails from the same um, source, do you take some additional step in terms of blacklisting or uh, blocking or what, what do you do? You know, um, there are a lot of tools and not to promote SaferNet, but SaferNet, we have we have these little gauges that be able to say, hey, this is a highly risky person. This is a low risk person. Um, any cybersecurity expert should be able to know who does risky behavior online. Now, mm -hmm. I don't necessarily mean uh, horrible behavior. I just mean risky behavior. It might be part of your job. Um, but when you're going to places in the internet where you, you have known viruses and you know who that person is, uh, you need to make sure that they're well aware of what it is that they're doing and what needs to take place. But you do have on the back end, uh, if you're set up correctly, you've got the ability to block portions of the internet. You've got the ability to be able to uh, uh, slow things down to pay attention to what's going on. You've got multiple tools on the back end to be able to, to monitor that, that one individual person. Um, like I said, in our in our graph, uh, we have uh, green, yellow, and red, uh, and and how how risky and how not risky. And most software uh, that does this kind of behavior will let you know that. But mm -hmm. yeah, you would just go in there and and uh, honestly, what I find is it's kind of old school. But if you have somebody that is worrying or worrying you, um, don't hassle yourself with a lot of I mean, make sure you're notifying them, but you need to sit down and show that person what is risky behavior and what is not risky behavior. If you're sending an email, you might find that they're not paying attention to it or they don't put it at a heightened level of concern. I would honestly sit down with them. Uh, usually what we find is when somebody has a sit down, uh, the behavior stops if it's not needed. Sure. What? How would you define or risky behavior? Yeah. What are some different types of risky behavior that you would flag? 
Um, you know, uh, going to a lot of videos. Um, if somebody's not needing it for their job, if they're searching for videos, they end up tripping into some difficult behavior. Um, I would not expect this in a professional environment, although, um, you know, you don't know what people are doing, um, but people that are going to pornography, that is known to be the worst um, uh, traffic on the internet. I mean, mm. you're going to get viruses even if you, <clears throat> if you can run every cybersecurity tool out there. And if you've got somebody that's popping into, into pornography, you know they're gathering viruses. And then if they're bringing their devices uh, uh, on premise, it's even worse. Um, what I find is interesting is that you've got a lot of those people that are working from um, open Wi-Fi's if they're popping into um, Starbucks or the coffee house that they're used to, whatever it is. Um, they have to be running a VPN 24-7. They, they cannot uh, just pop in with a, uh, a VPN that takes them back into the office. They've got to be running a VPN 24-7 because if they're popping up uh, their their um, laptop and then they're accessing their email, they're wide open during that period of time, whether they're accessing the the server or not. Once they do access the server through uh, after that device could have been already compromised. Now you're now you've created an easy delivery mechanism right into the server with whatever they picked up at that open Wi-Fi. Okay, so that, that's interesting. So explain the um, the threat of public Wi-Fi. It's so tempting. God, I mean, especially with kids and everything, you roll into any place, especially when you're traveling together, and the first thing everybody wants is that Wi-Fi. What's the what's the what's the threat there? Well, I, I got to tell you, there are. Uh, it is probably where the majority of of viruses come from. Trojans are very very famous for coming in on open Wi-Fi, and a Trojan is just simply uh, you you pick up a virus, you you don't even know you have it. It's on your device, you uh, uh, VPN or, or get into the office, and then whoever is, is the host of that Trojan accesses the Trojan, and they have whatever access you have behind the firewall. Um, same thing happens with a VPN. But when you're, when you're accessing open Wi-Fi, um, you know what's fascinating to me is if you YouTube, just go to YouTube and type in, hacking on public Wi-Fi, and you've got these 12-year-old kids that'll teach you how to hack somebody on, on public Wi-Fi. It's just an IP address, you know, five up or five down of yours, and you can go in there in the back door with the right uh, app and access what they have on their device. And you can take things off or you can put things on. Uh, you don't know who happens to be sitting in that public Wi-Fi with you and they very easily could be accessing whatever it is that they'd like to. Yeah, that's that's pretty scary. So um, in that situation, then, uh, what should I do? <laughs> what's the, what's the solution? You know, um, I I don't mean to just promote uh, SaferNet, but uh, we have a twenty four seven always on VPN. So that. Wait, wait, wait. Explain, because I, I thought you were going to talk about VPNs, but what's the what's the critical importance between a 24-7 always-on versus just a standard old VPN? Um, In fact, I, actually, you know what I would like to do? For people who don't, don't even, there might be some people who don't understand the strengths of a VPN. Why don't we just start there? What 
you know, what is a VPN and, and why should I use it? And then let's talk about the 24-7. Perfect. So as far as I'm concerned, VPN it should be the foundation of any cybersecurity. Um, it's a very simple, easy solution. Uh, some people don't like them. Some people love them. Um, but it needs to be a foundation of any cybersecurity. And what a VPN is, is it basically takes your traffic and puts it into a tube and allows you to go wherever you need to go on the internet within this tube that keeps people from being able to access. Now, literally, that's not what it is, but it's it, that's a good ex explanation of how it operates. Then within that, you have different levels of encryption. So you can get a VPN without encryption, uh, with uh, a minor level of encryption, or a, a lot of encryption. Uh, 256 bit is, is what uh, the military and or banks use. Uh, so it's a high level of encryption. That happens to be what we use. Uh, you can go to 125, you can go to no encryption, um, but it's really important that you have some kind of encryption within that tube. So if on the outside of the chance somebody penetrates that tube, they still can't access it because it's all scrambled. Everything, all your data is scrambled and then reassembled at the other side where you're where you're going. Now, a lot of companies will say we need to have you only access our servers if you're out of the office with a VPN. Um, what they are missing is the fact that if you open up that laptop uh, at Starbucks, for example, you're doing your emails, you're doing whatever you need to do, you access your public Wi-Fi, you're, you're doing your, your normal routine on a public Wi-Fi. How convenient is that? It's wonderful to be able to do that. Um, during that period of time, you very, very could have picked up a Trojan. So then when you fire up that VPN, now that VPN gives you encrypted traffic all the way to, to your server with your, your device already infected with a Trojan. Now that Trojan has access to wherever you happen to be going. That's why it's so important to not access public Wi-Fi ever without a VPN on. Now, um, now the first step is, is to turn on your computer and then turn on your VPN and then start doing things. Um, but there is a small little window that you're still at risk. That's why we run ours from uh, from the start of the computer. So as soon as you start the computer, the very first thing that happens is that v VPN spins up and then it starts doing what it needs to do. So that way it is protected from second one. You're not going to end up getting any viruses if you're stepping into a public Wi-Fi. Now, is, is there any performance degradation by having, you know, the the uh, VPN just start up automatically? I mean, there might be sometimes where I don't even need Wi-Fi. I just I just want to work on my device. Um, yeah, talk a little bit about that. A um, couple of things. Um, one is if you're in a public Wi-Fi and you have your Wi-Fi on, even if you're not putting in the password to access it, you're still at risk. You're still open. Your your your, your device could automatically connect is what you're saying. Exactly. Okay. So so you're you you could be fooling yourself possibly unless you actually have your Wi-Fi turned off. Okay. Um, and so, so that might be, that might be a good best practice. Um, if you don't have the VPN, the, the the always on VPN right now, and you're in a place where you, 
where you don't want to, you're not going to turn the VPN on. Um, cause I'm just thinking about it. I mean, sometimes you, you don't even know if there's public Wi-Fi. You could be, you, you might be, you might pick up some random households, uh, Wi-Fi as well, if, if they've left it open. So probably a good best practice would be if you're not going to, you know, spin up your VPN, you should, um, you should turn off your Wi-Fi. Well, that's exactly right. You, you see movie stars that have, uh, you know, some, uh, nudie pictures put out there. It's not like they're putting them out there. It's that somebody accessed their device and got them. Uh, they very well could have been driving through a drive-through at, at, at Starbucks and somebody accessed it. Even when they weren't um, logged on to the Wi-Fi, they could still go in through that IP address. So there's a lot of things that uh, that are out there that are dangerous. And if you're not, al not, not allowing a Wi-Fi connection, then you are much safer than if you have Wi-Fi turned on. Most people walk around with their cell phones. If you just take a look at their cell phone, their Wi-Fi is turned on, whether they're logged in or not, it doesn't make any difference. That's that's pretty scary. <laughs> so, I'm just looking at my phone right now, uh-oh. So, um, so, okay, um, it's important if, you, if you're not gonna, you know, if you don't have a VPN and um, you, but let me ask you this. I'm gonna I'm gonna take one more step back, and then I, re I really want to start talking about um, the SaferNet solution. But I I am in uh, you know at Starbucks, and I definitely need to get these emails out. Um, I don't have a VPN on. Uh, what should I do then? Do use my hotspot on my phone? Is that safe or is that not safe? Um, using your hotspot is much much safer than going right into a public Wi-Fi. <clears throat> um, so, you know, your your intent is, is to keep yourself from going to a place that everyone else is and you don't know who everybody else is. Um, if you don't have a, a VPN, I would personally never use a public Wi-Fi. Um, I just wouldn't do it. Uh, with a VPN, um, you're, you're okay as long as you've got a decent VPN and, and you know that it's on and you know that it's doing what it should be doing. You talked about deg degradation. Um, you know, it's inter interesting, um, we, I, I had a, uh, a radio uh, host, a guy named, guy named Tom Martino. <clears throat> he's kind of well known in the uh, Denver area, and uh, he's a consumer advocate. And I got a phone call from somebody, somebody saw our, our advertisement somewhere, and I got a phone call from his radio show live on air, and, and uh, we were saying that, uh, we had a 0 0.01 latency with our VPN. And he was uh, calling me out and saying, I don't believe that. I, I believe that it's got to be slower than that. I've used VPNs all the time. <clears throat> I said, well, that's that's what our, our labs tell us. Um, uh, but I, I do believe it because I use it all the time. And he asked me if we'd be willing to do a live test. And I said, sure. He had some IT guys there and they ran a live test. Uh, he didn't say anything for the first two tests that he did. Um, and then he came back and, and basically said, it should not be the case. You're speeding up my internet connection. Now, we do, don't truly speed up the internet connection, but the result is that we did speed up that internet connection. And the reason is, is that, and we'll, we'll talk about more of this in just a minute, but there's so much traffic coming into your device trying to gather information off of your device. They're reaching in all the time. You've given permission to so many things in the past. They're just reaching in and gathering things that's slowing down your device automatically. If we're going in and 
slowing down the internet to some degree um, and then blocking all of that traffic that is actually using up your CPU speed and 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 doing what it needs to do to pull that your data by blocking all of that we actually make up what we lose plus we gain you some uh, so overall effect uh, by using a VPN you're going to have a uh, a speedier internet connection now there is a little bit of latency as you start up your device sure enough um, it will slow it down a little bit because that VPN has to build but once it's built, the overall effect will be, a, it'll be a little faster. Excellent, totally makes sense to me. Now, <clears throat> let's now let's go down the road of VPN, uh, standard off the shelf VPN versus the SaferNet solution. So there are some fantastic VPNs out there. Um, uh, by no means would I say you should only use ours. I mean, there's great solutions out there. And, and truthfully, VPNs have kind of become a dime a dozen. I mean, there's a billion of them out there. Um, it's really important to me, in my mind, as we've talked, is to be uh, a 24-7, always-on solution. It needs to start with the device. Um, I don't know many, device, many VPNs out there that actually do that. You've got to go in there and actually do something to start that VPN. Um, now, if you had somebody that was very diligent to make sure they were starting it every single time, I don't know if that would be a monstrous problem, but from if I'm an IT professional, I know that majority of my uh, the people that I'm trying to protect are not going to choose that, so I want to make sure it starts with them. The second thing that I think is, is very important is to high, have a high grade of encryption within that VPN. And a lot of them do have a 256 grade uh, um, uh, encryption and there's some other types of encryption that you can use. Um, all of it is very, very good. Um, but the thing that we do that I think that is, uh, I don't know of anybody else that's doing this uh, that I personally love is we've got virus protection within that VPN. So what happens is, is that if you're running a VPN without virus protection, you can go to an, a, a website with a VPN and you're not being hacked, nobody's gathering that data, but if you access a, 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 a website that does have a virus on it or it's delivering you a virus, now you're receiving that virus um, without, without anything stopping it. It'll automatically come in. And with our solution, we have that uh, virus protection within that VPN it will stop it before it actually reaches that device. And at that point, it won't be able to get to the device. It won't be able to get to the server. It won't get anywhere. So you don't even have to uh, necessarily have the, VP, the virus protection on your device. Although I do always recommend that just in case someone turns off our, our VPN. But our intent is to stop all viruses before they get to that device. Um, and so that is kind of a, secret sauce that I think we have that that I have not seen in other VPNs. Now, okay, please continue. Uh, so with that, what we do is we run everything through a dashboard. Um, and in that dashboard, uh, any administrator, and you can have as many administrators if you want, any administrator can take a look at all the traffic um, to see what is risky behavior and see what's not risky behavior. Uh, we've got over 200 internet controls. 
Uh, 84 of those are filters that you can filter out portions of the internet. So I can, I can filter out social media from my uh, finance team, but I can leave social media for my, my uh, um, maybe sales, sales team. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, so I can, I can decide how to design uh, the, my individual employees, internet uh, activities but I can see it all and then I can choose to block or not block. So we've got major filters and then we can refine it down to specific website as well. So that that administrator has that, that flexibility and control. Um, when you get into the, the part of the dashboard that you can see all the traffic, there's a, my favorite button uh, and, and I don't like the name. We got to come up with a better marketing name, but we call it entourage. Um, and if anybody has any good ideas, I'd love to to hear it. We've sat around conference boardrooms <laughs> multiple times, but uh, entourage is is basically all of that exterior traffic that's trying to reach into your device. We talked about a minute ago, uh, trying to reach into your device and gather your information. And what's happening is is that that you've got people that are are using your data as their money making tool. And by and it, and it affects you. It slows down your devices, and and who knows what they're doing with your data. But when you're running our VPN, not only are we blocking all that information from leaving your device, but we are showing you everybody that's all their IP addresses, everybody that's doing it. We're revealing it, and then you can take a look at it and say, well, I don't know why they're doing. It. They can you can actually backtrack and see down to who it is exactly who's who's hitting you the most. So these would be from websites where you've downloaded the cookies or uh, different apps that you're using. And, and yeah, as part of the agreement, um, you allow them to access certain data. Uh, and sometimes we're not even aware of it, but but hey, now now you can be aware and you can actually choose to, to block. I, actually, it sounds like by default, it's a block. Um, and then you'd have to allow them. Is that the way it works? Actually, the way it's set as a default is that um, we block everything that your device is not needing, and we allow everything that your device does does use. Uh, for example, I I have Microsoft products; uh, they're reaching in all the time and and uh, accessing my device on a regular basis, whether I'm choosing to or not. They're just doing what they need to do. There's sometimes Microsoft shows up in my blocked category and i look at that thinking uh, is that supposed to be there but that means that that we have determined that that was something that was not related to an app that we were were operating with and so we're blocking the things that are not necessary and allowing the things that are necessary um, you can go in there and adjust whatever you want to adjust you can allow everything you can stop whatever you want to do but uh, the overall purpose is is to uh, not allow access to your device unless it is a needed access and you've chosen to to uh, put it on there. And this works for both enterprise users and individual users. So if I, as an individual, want to subscribe to SaferNet's VPN solution, um, I would also have that app that it would allow me to open up and see what. Absolutely, it's all it's all in the cloud. It's a dashboard that you you can uh, control. Uh, all aspects of things, but yes, it is for an enterprise solution or a uh, or an individual. Now, for a for a uh, a larger enterprise, we do have other solutions that allows 
uh, multiple layers of, of access to the admin tools. Um, but uh, uh, just for a small to medium sized business or an individual, uh, one layer we find is, is plenty. Excellent. Well, hey, I want to ask um, a couple more questions uh, before we wrap this up. One is, um, I, I wonder when it comes to, you know, social media like Facebook um, or maybe using sites like Google, uh, you know, other big data companies, do you see, what, what are your biggest privacy concerns? Um, I, to be honest with you, the biggest concern I have is that nobody seems to care that everybody is gathering all their data. Uh, mm -hmm. Just when you simply have a conversation with somebody and and I describe what I just described, they're like, well, does that mean I don't get my targeted um, advertisements specifically for the, what I'm looking for? Um, and uh, so I, that, that actually kind of freaks me out, man. If, if I'm going on YouTube searching for a particular product video or whatever, and then I log into Facebook and I'm immediately served up that ad uh, for that particular product or, com uh, you know, competitor to that product. It just, it disturbs me. And I know that's the world that, that we live in and the price we have to pay, but it's just, it's just, I don't know. I guess I'm a little old school, but, uh, yeah. Well, I, I, am right there with you. Um, you know, I, I made a comment recently at a talk that I was doing is how would you feel if, if, uh, I, I spent a day walking through your house, pulling over, open every drawer and trying to decide exactly what you, what kind of a person you are. And then I start marketing to you. Um, I, I'm pretty sure people would be a little freaked out about that. That is not a comfort level that we would normally be at. And, and if you think about it, if you see somebody sitting at your computer, just going through your computer, you're you're going to be a little freaked out about that too. So what are you doing? Why are you why are you in my computer? Um, but yet, if you don't see them, somehow that's okay. That ignorance is, ignorance is bliss, right? Exactly. <laughs> and that's where that's where you know really my greatest concern is is because where the trend of people go, uh, the activity goes. And what I'd love to see is is a a stand up to start asking everyone why are you taking my data and what are you doing with it and mm -hmm. get to the place where uh, i would love it if we would all be able to offer our data for sale and have these major companies pay us for our data uh and or we choose not to offer it to sell and so at that point at least we're in control and trying to make wise decisions for ourselves as opposed to just allowing people to access us for free software. That's yeah, we, we become the product and um, it's, uh, but we're not getting reimbursed for it, right? I mean, it, so it's, it's kind of scary. I think the EU is a little bit further ahead of us in terms of, you know, the regulations like GDPR, et cetera, giving individuals control of their data. You know, the, the, the onus is on the, the organizations who are collecting and processing the data to notify individuals, hey, this is what we're doing. This is our business purpose for using it. Um, you know, here's, here's if you don't want us to access it, here's the process, et cetera. But in the States, it's still kind of the Wild West. Yeah, and, and I find that that's very interesting because we, as a VPN, we have access to all the data, all of it. I mean, we get it before any other company gets it because we're right there. Now, we dump all that data. We don't gather it. We don't collect it. We don't sell it, uh, which actually means we have to charge for our product. Um, that's just the way the way the, the math works. But um, 
Well, let me let me let me ask a question then, because that that comes brings up how do you trust your VPN provider then? I mean, uh, the data is encrypted, um, so I'm assuming even if you can capture it, that um, you would you would it would take a a huge effort to to um, unencrypt it or decrypt it, um, you know. But how how do you how how can I trust a VPN provider if they're if they can access the data? That is a that is a great question. That is an excellent question. Um, that's something that we discuss things all the time where where we are uh, revealing number one we we have on our privacy that we privacy statements that this is what we do and if we if someone finds us in violation they can make a lot of money off of us um, so that's that's a key aspect of things is that we've got to dump that data or we're going to have a lot of problems in the long run one of the things that I find very interesting is that very few people do a back-end research of who really owns different VPNs. Now we're US owned, uh, I mean, we're wide open right out there in the middle. There's no nobody behind us that owns us anywhere. Um, but if you do back-end research, uh, a lot of the big VPNs are owned by uh, companies out of Russia and out of, out of China. Now, some people look at that and say, well, I don't care about that, that's no big deal. I happen to uh, not like that idea a lot because they're not subject to our laws. They're, they could they could say we're we're um, uh, dumping your data and we're not collecting data, but on the back end maybe they are. And so, um, uh, just out of curiosity, because I, like if I'm sending a, an email through my VPN um, that's encrypted, I, I would think that it's again it's protected to a fairly high degree, even from the VPN provider, I would think. Um, of course, I'm sure there's all kinds of different backdoors and loopholes and, and things that can be done. Um, but what about metadata? So like, can can the VPN provider track the different websites that I've been to? Oh, absolutely. Okay. Um, it, it takes a lot of work to be able to build that metadata into the back end. Um, but once it's done, it's a huge money maker. It's a monstrous money maker. Uh, you look at what Google and and some of these other monster companies that are uh, some of the wealthiest companies around the world uh, that all they're doing is selling that metadata. Mm -hmm. And so, um, yes, they can. And I, I assume I don't know facts of anything, but I assume that some of them are. Um, but I would take a close look at their privacy statements and see what they're agreeing to. Um, you know, I, I find that, you know, most people will not blatantly lie in a privacy statement. I just don't believe that is the case. Um, but they would leave loopholes for themselves to be able to do that. Um, but I do think that it's time in our society that we start paying attention to those kind of things and be aware of what is really happening behind the scenes. And, and that's where I feel like it's very important for us to be open and honest and, and just say, you know, we are not ever going to gather data because you know, I realize as the CEO, that is a great moneymaker and we could increase the value of our company rather dramatically. But I think that people use VPNs, use them for the purpose of being private and safe and not want to step into that world. Uh, and I think that that's where uh, I, I think that's where most VPNs are going to end up going is really focusing on that privacy and safety. Excellent. Okay. Hey, just uh, one last question, and then I, I would like you to um, just kind of give an overview of of SaferNet. Uh, but 
you you know you mentioned several times that if you go in public Wi-Fi, uh, even if, before your VPN was turned on, or maybe before I subscribed to SaferNet because which is the always on VPN, um, I could have some kind of virus on my device. And when I boot up my my VPN, um, it's going it, it it could go through the VPN to the company server, etc. What do I do? I just run an antivirus check, or how do I how do I determine whether or not my my device is infected? Yeah, you you need to make sure that you've got not just one of the free antiviruses. You need to have a uh, a high quality antivirus on your device, making sure that it's uh, scrubbing and protecting uh, all the time. Um, you know, a lot of I've, I find a lot of people think, well, I've got an Apple, so I'm I'm safe. Well, that's not totally true. Apples are are famous because they they don't allow other companies to access it. It doesn't mean that you can't get a virus. Um, it just means that you're not getting there's not a lot of holes in the in the uh, in the computer that allows other accesses. Um, but uh, you know, I we we had uh, back a few years ago. I had an Apple, a big, huge monster in my kitchen, and uh, uh, that was actually the worst uh, virus attack I had ever had in my life on an Apple. So, um, you know, it's not that it's completely safe. It's just that uh, they have put in some stop gaps to not let it happen as often. But I think that every computer out there should have a high grade VPN or high grade virus protection on it. Um, if you're running SaferNet and you don't intend to ever turn it off, uh, having one of the free versions on there is just fine. Uh, it's not a problem at all. Uh, I like having the free version on there even when we're running SaferNet because uh, it might be that that somebody turns off SaferNet or there's a, a glitch in the cloud and we have an issue or something along those lines. It's always good to have both levels of protection on there. Excellent. Okay, so hey, I you know I appreciate you. You shared a lot of really valuable information here, uh, and I I but I would like to hear um, one if we wanted to learn more about SaferNet, um, where can we find it? I'm assuming your website, but you could tell us your URL. Um, if you're going to any events or if there's any upcoming developments that we should be aware of, and then um, as part of that, I'm just curious like the size and scope of SaferNet as well. Um, yeah, you can go to uh, safernet.com. It actually takes you to safernetvpn.com. So either one of those URLs operate. Um, and I'd love uh, I'd love for anybody to go there and just check us out and see what what they're thinking. Um, in regards to uh, where we're going in the future, I am uh, more excited than really anything else right now. With we have uh, and and we're we're in the process of of manufacturing but we have a tiny little computer that we can plug into any router that will take our safernet signal and send it to all uh, iot devices now if you understand uh, iot risk it's all those you know hundreds of devices that you have without your within your business or your or your uh, home that are accessing the internet but they're not computers therefore you cannot put virus protection on them but with our vpn with our virus protection within it that that iot device is protected with a virus protection from the second that it accessed the internet and so we are very excited about that that's coming to um uh, hopefully um 
second uh, quarter of next year, we should have that out. Um, but uh, don't hold me to that because there's a lot of work to be done. In yeah, that, but there's massive potential in that market because everybody, I mean, there's an explosion of IoT devices, of course, uh, and an explosion of the number of apps and, and different you know functionalities that they're being deployed for. Uh, and there's an, an explosion in the number of attacks on these devices and everybody's scrambling to figure out how best to protect these devices. So that sounds very, very promising. Yeah, we're we're very excited about it, and uh, our our developers are are thrilled that we've passed all of our our uh, test um, uh, processes, and it's very cool. You can actually go in there and uh, uh, <laughs> uh, just for the home use, it's kind of interesting. You, I, I don't know if you have kids or not, but I remember back in the day when my kids would be saying, "Oh, one more TV show," and and <laughs> and. Yeah. Uh, and then I get busy and not even pay attention. And then it's like two or three TV shows. Uh, well, I can go into my phone and I can set 20 more minutes and the internet goes off. And it, it's it's really kind of an amazing thing where you can you can do the same thing with an Xbox is you can go in there and, and set, I'll give you an hour of Xbox after school and then you got to get to your homework. Mm -hmm. um, and all of a sudden in the middle of a game, it's going to turn off and the kid's going to be saying, Give me a few more minutes and right. But the reality, yeah, that's that's that's, that's I mean I mean you've got me sold there because it's like the the ongoing going battle. You know we we set a, a time limit in the evening and I want the devices in the kitchen and uh, you know who ends up going and rounding up the devices? It's, it's me versus the devices coming to the kitchen, right? And it's like it'd be so nice if it was just automated and the device goes down. <laughs> I was like, hey, don't blame me. Blame Brad over at SaferNet, man. <laughs> I'm the, I, my hands are tied here. <laughs> Make you the bad guy, not me. I'm tired of being the bad cop. No, that's that's great. Um, tell me, again, we gotta, we're going to wrap this up here pretty quickly, but um, tell me um, a, a little bit about the company in terms of you know uh, when it started and where you're at now in terms of size and customers and all that. Yeah, we've got uh, we've got roughly around eleven thousand uh, um, customers. Actually, eleven thousand four hundred and twenty-one as of this particular moment. As you uh, stare at your dashboard, <laughs> yeah, it it happens all the time. It's just part of a the occupational hazard that I've got. But uh, um, yeah, we and we're we're growing. Uh, we're we're not nearly as large as I'd like to be, but. Uh, We've, I'm very happy with uh, with what is happening, and I I just love the 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 response that we're getting from our customers. I just that's the funnest thing in the world that that when when you start hearing from the customers about how safe they feel and how easy this is to use and et cetera et cetera. Um, so um, we're there. We we have uh, uh, a team here in Arvada. We've got a team in. Um, uh, Ireland that uh, we've uh, because of COVID we we lost a couple of uh, of our key people that actually lived in Ireland so we thought well let's just keep you on and and you work from Ireland and so we are uh, we have a team uh, in both locations and and uh, it has actually helped our growth in the European market we're in 46 different countries which is uh, kind of fun to see that that growth happening and it's interesting because a lot of, i i had no idea i've done some work in in uh, rwanda um i've done some business consulting and coaching and and 
the Rwanda market has really taken off and, and never in a million years did I expect us to fit the economic structure of, uh, of, of Africa, but um, people in Africa are using it all the time. They have, they have more awareness about cybersecurity in some of the African countries than we do here in the United States um, because they have so blatant, uh, blatant hackers out there. So, um, well, I mean, I can name one African country that probably accounts for about 50% of my phishing emails. So, <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. so they're kind of famous, notorious for it, but um, I think that would probably create a lot of awareness as well. Yeah. Well, hey, I mean, that's that's super impressive. Um, over eleven thousand users in forty six countries, um, and and that's that's awesome. I really like the uh, the description of your solution. You know, always on VPN. Uh, you've got the two fifty six bit uh, encryption. Uh, sounds sounds like a great solution. Hey, I I um, have really enjoyed this conversation and. Um, Wish you the best for the end of 2021, and hopefully all of us will have a great 2022. Brad, it was great talking with you. Well, thank you so much, Mark. I really enjoy your show, and and uh, thank you for allowing me to share about uh, some of our experiences. Hello, welcome to Secure Talk, your trusted source of information on the latest threats, trends, tools, and technology related to cybersecurity and compliance.